We may really want to have hope at the holidays, and yet it always seems like there's something that's trying to take it away from us. If you're feeling short on hope this Christmas, we're going to talk about how to get it back. Today on The Truth and Our Trauma. Ever sit down to pray and end up thinking about what you need to buy at the store instead? No judgment. I've totally been there. And that's why I decided to create the Ignite Strategic Prayer Planner and Journal. Know what to pray, track your impact, and learn to hear God's voice for yourself. Ignite is more than just a journal. It's a journey. And it's available now on Amazon and at the link in the show notes. If you've listened to the podcast for any length of time in the past, you know that often around the holidays, I do talk about grief. I do talk about that this season where everyone else seems to be celebrating can often bring out a lot of heartbreak for those of us who maybe are not feeling like we're in that zone. And for as often as I do talk about how to grieve, I also want to talk about how do we get hope? How do we find hope and joy through these difficult seasons and through these experiences that we're having? Because here's the fact, whether or not you're in full-on grief mode, there is still something often that is knocking on your door that is trying to take your hope. It's at least trying to get your eyes off of the hope so that you're not enjoying what this season really means and what it's really all about in one way or another. And that's whether or not you're dealing with a broken relationship or you're struggling with finances at this time of year or whatever the circumstance might be. Often there is something that is just looming that can try to detract from that sense of awe and wonder that this time of year really especially is meant to inspire in us. Now, I got insight into this recently through a dream that I had. And in this dream, I have a mask on my face. I'm looking into a mirror and I have a mask on my face. It looks like maybe it's like chocolate, you know, but not something that that was just like smeared on there. It had hardened and it had distorted the shape and the size of my face. It looked hardened, you know, almost like paper mache, uh, but like like a chocolate dipped strawberry. (laughs) That's what my face looked like. And as I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm wondering if other people notice. It has changed the way that I look, obviously, and I'm yet wondering, does everybody else see this? And then as I'm looking at my face in the mirror, these little white spots start to appear on the mask. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I can wipe those spots off because I'm not thinking that the mask can come off. And as I am in front of the sink and I'm splashing water onto these spots, I can see that the mask is coming off. I can see that around my lips that my true skin is starting to show through. And I'm aware that the mask can come off. And in the dream, I'm aware that I need to wash it off. So that was as far as I got and I woke up. (laughs) And so in the morning, I was praying about this. And I was like, first of all, Lord, is this from you? Is this this one of yours? (laughs) And if so, what does it mean? And so I sat for a couple of minutes and I heard the Lord say identity. Now, that didn't mean anything specifically to me in the moment. But over the next 24 hours, there were different Bible verses and podcasts and sermons and things that I was listening to and that I was observing that were pointing to this very concept of identity. 
And I'll save you all the like rabbit trails <laughs> that I go on to get to the main point. But the main point that I started to recognize was the fact that when we are in trouble, and when we are staring so much at our circumstances, when we are identifying so closely with the emotions of that experience, it often covers us and hardens us in a way that we don't see the truth of who God says that we are in these things. That in these things, not after these things, but in these things, that we are already conquerors, that we are already overcomers. And certainly our emotions block us from that. Our emotions don't allow us to feel that, right? Like as we're going through these things, like I do not feel like an overcomer, right? <laughs> and what I want to point out is the fact that the feelings themselves are not the problem. God gave us those feelings and the feelings are there to give us information. The feelings are there to tell us, hey, something is wrong. Hey, something needs to be tended to. God created those feelings to draw us nearer to himself in those times of trouble. But here is where things go off the rails. While those feelings can give us an indication that something is wrong, they can't give us the interpretation of what it really means and what that's all about. You know, we can have a feeling that like something bad is going to happen, for example. It doesn't mean that it's going to. But yet we can convince ourselves that it absolutely is going to happen, right? That's where we've allowed our emotions to then give us a false interpretation of the circumstances. And this is why when we are in trouble that we start to spin out in our feelings that no matter how many Bible verses you read, no matter how many inspirational Instagram posts that you look at, that none of that inspiration, none of that hope, none of that encouragement sticks in our soul because in the deep, deep, deep depths of ourselves, we don't believe that. We believe what our emotions are telling us. We believe what the circumstances are telling us. We believe what we're seeing and what we've interpreted out of it. Our feelings are there to tell us that something is wrong. And they may be, that may be legitimately the case, but they also will tell us, this is not fair, or I'm forgotten, or it's always going to be this way. And this is how the enemy then gets into a situation that is hard and takes even more ground, takes even more away from us and buries us so that we don't even see what's possible. We don't even see anymore that we are overcomers. We don't see that because that's not what our experience is telling us. So he's lying to us and our fragile emotions seem to confirm everything that he's telling us. And so then we get to these places where we're really low because now those lies have seemed to become more true to us than the truth. It's where even then we doubt perhaps that joy and hope is for us, that maybe that's for other people and not for me or not for this circumstance, that I've got to find some way out of this before I'm ever going to experience any of those things. Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. 
It's called Overthinking. Get out of your head and on with your life. And you can download it for free right now at UncommonValor.co. So once you're in this vortex, this downward spiral of emotions and this downward spiral of negative thinking, how do we get out? How do we get the mask off? How do we get to the point where hope is real, more real than even what my circumstances or what my feelings are telling me? There's a way that we can think of hope that can help us to get beyond the circumstances and get beyond our feelings. And it's to think of hope as a perspective. Hope is not a feeling. We can feel hopeful, that's true. But true hope does not rest in our feelings, which is great because it means that we can choose it. It means that it's actually above our feelings. If hope is a perspective, then it means that it's what I choose to give my focus to. And it's what I choose to identify with and what I choose to believe. We see this choice in John 16, 33. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Right off the bat, Jesus is telling us in this verse, hey, trouble is real. This is a real thing. I'm not expecting you to positive think your way out of this. It's a real thing. I put those emotions in you that you would be able to recognize that this is the reality of the world that you live in. But at the same time, Jesus is also pointing to the fact that there is a second reality that is co-occurring at the same time, that there is a simultaneous experience that is happening in the trouble. And what he is saying is that this other reality that exists side by side with this trouble is the fact that he has already overcome it. And there's a reason that he has to tell us about it. We cannot, in our natural minds, perceive that. Given what we see, given what we experience, given what we feel, everything around us is telling us, trouble. (laughs) Watch out, there's trouble. And Jesus is saying, I want you to know there's another reality going on here, and I want you to choose it. In the Greek, that word that is used there for overcome is a word that's used to mean victory. It is actually the same root of the word that is meant to describe the goddess of victory in Greek mythology, Nike, like your shoes. (laughs) That's where it comes from. It means victory. And Jesus is pointing to the fact that, yes, he's overcome it, but there's victory now over it and in it simultaneously at the same time. And all we need to do is believe him, take him at his word and choose it. Hope then is found in the choice to believe, to have faith in what Jesus says over what we see. That he has, as he said in this passage, in the past tense, he has already secured the victory. It means I do acknowledge and I do see these two realities side by side, but it also means I'm putting all my bets on Jesus, no matter how things look. It means I'm not going to stay fixated on what happens and let it change me and let it deform me and let it warp my life and my experience. It means I'm going to stay focused on him because he is truer than anything that this world can tell me and anything that I can perceive about it. This then is how we are able to experience hope in the midst of trouble, that while we can acknowledge difficulty, I'm going to fixate on where Jesus is in the middle of it. I'm going to fixate on where 
I can experience him. And friend, I know from experience that this is easier said than done. I know this (laughs) because while I can tell you it is a choice, the fact of the matter is putting my full weight into that feels risky, especially when there's been some difficult things that have happened in the past. It feels like, but how can I be sure that that's for me? How can I be really sure that that's going to make any kind of remarkable change in my life? And on top of that, we're afraid he's going to let us down. We're afraid that maybe there's something about this that, that, that doesn't hold water in the real world and in our real lives. And you know what? He can handle that. He can. Because the only reason I am here and able to talk to you about this is that I have been in that pit of hopelessness myself. I've been in that spot where all I could be was a heap on the floor and say to him, what can you do with this? I have to believe that there's another choice. I have to believe that there's something else. I just don't know how. And even in the recognition that there is a choice means that we just start to look for it. We start to look for the evidence. In the world of trouble, we don't have to look for evidence of trouble. It will come looking for us. But when I'm choosing hope as my perspective, I'm looking for the good. I'm noticing the good. I'm documenting the good. I'm praising him for the good. And because God is good and he is the giver of good gifts and he is in everything that is good, that means nothing is too small for noticing. Nothing should be bypassed or overlooked when it comes to looking for the good. We can't always know what the long-term good is going to be in something that is major, like in a broken relationship, for example, or in your finances, maybe. But we can know that there are indications of God's goodness right here and right now that I can take an appreciation for. And so in that case, nothing is too small, whether it's a chance conversation that you have with a friend or whether it's just that you enjoy this artificial Christmas tree candle because you have to have a fake Christmas tree because you have allergies. (laughs) Not that I'm talking about myself at all. And as we start to really take in these small things as indications of God's goodness, as little daily gifts from him to us, then there's even more of a delight that comes in just being in his presence. And troubled times push us into his presence more and more. We can allow them to anyway, can also push us away. But if we're choosing then to say, I want to feel your goodness, I know it's around me in these circumstances, then the more that we're focusing on him and this goodness and his presence, the circumstances start to melt away. The awareness of the good builds and builds and builds and builds to the point where it starts to change us. We start to become who he says we are. We start to actually feel like overcomers. And this is why Jesus says, don't fixate on the circumstances, fixate on me. Because in the circumstances then, we can not only have peace, but we can gain a perspective of hope that allows us to maintain that no matter what's going on around us. We begin to then live into that simultaneous reality that Jesus has already secured the victory, that while we know this is an eternal truth, this is how we pull it down into our everyday lives. And so while there is much around Christmas that can cause us trouble, there's actually no better time to experience this reality than Christmas. 
the fact that in the trouble of the darkened world, the world full of sin, that the light of the world, Jesus, our Savior, came to be with us, that that is really and truly not only what we're celebrating, but what we can encounter in a fresh new way. It gives us the recognition that he came to give us this victory and that he wants us to know it right now, not just wait until all of the sadness and the trouble of this world is over. And the fascinating thing about this is Jesus's name literally means victory. Though in English, we refer to him as Jesus. In Hebrew, his name is Yeshua. And as we look at the Old Testament scriptures, the word that is used to mean victory, salvation, and deliverance is Yeshua. When we dig up the Hebrew scriptures, and some of these are ones that you know of, that you've heard before, and we look at the original Hebrew writings, we see this word Yeshua and its derivatives in these places to mean victory and salvation and deliverance. For example, in Exodus 14, 13, it literally says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the Yeshua the Lord will bring you today. In Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who bring good tidings, who proclaim Yeshua, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And also Psalm 43, 5, that says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my Yeshua and my God. I love seeing this in the Old Testament because it means Yeshua, Jesus, was always there. In the Old Testament, he was there. In the New Testament, he was there. In the present day, he is there. In the future, he will be there. There is no time or place where Yeshua, Jesus, was not. And that means hope is here right now. It means it won't always be this way. You will see his victory. You will experience his deliverance. And you will praise again. He is here and he is with you. And when you look for him, you're going to find him. I pray this word blesses you tremendously as you move into your Christmas celebrations. As I typically do, I'm going to take the end of the year to rest and refresh, and I'm going to be back at the beginning of 2024. Shalom, my friend, and Merry Christmas. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at Uncommon Valor dot co.